Welcome once again to Great Questions, Great Conversations. I'm your host, Mike Westendorf, and with me this morning is Pastor Pete Panitsky. Good morning, Pastor Pete. Good morning, Mike, and good morning, all of our listeners. It's great to be with you again. It is great to have you guys with us on to episode nine, and we're going to be talking about a a topic that probably in, especially in our... I, I think it's an American culture thing where we're really obsessed with justice and what's what's fair. We're going to talk about a conversation that a lot of times people uh, may not understand it from the vantage point of church leaders. And maybe it's because we haven't communicated it very well. In fact, I'm sure that that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But we're going to talk a little bit about discipleship in church discipline today. Um, because this is there's a couple of Bible passages that are coming up in some of our worship services and uh, Pastor Pete, we were talking off air. Thought this might be a good a good time to go and talk a little bit about this. So, as you were reading this, Pastor Pete, as we kind of get started, uh, why is this a this a, a topic that you you think is worth talking about? Uh, every once in a while, somebody will say, "You know, what gives you the right to forgive somebody their sins for God?" You know, because okay. in our in our Lutheran services, uh, most of our services have some kind of confession of sins, and then there's this announcement of forgiveness. And and you know, what right do I have? And it just so happens our gospel lesson from John chapter ten this coming week, uh, which will be April sixteenth, uh, has that uh, in. Uh, the gospel lesson. I thought, well, this is a good time to talk about that uh, because it is a question. Do I have the authority to forgive sins? Um, You know, in in the Catholic Church, there's the confessional. You you so often see that on, you know, like on TV programs. Right, yeah. Uh, Do we as Lutherans have confessionals like that? You know, so I, I think that this is a good question, not just for, you know, uh, new Christians, but lifelong Lutherans too, you know, mm-hmm. what, what is this authority that Jesus has given us? Yeah. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to turn to John, John chapter 20, and I'll just read uh, the three verses and then maybe uh, uh, go ahead and then take us, uh, get, get us started with this. So John chapter 20, uh, this is for those of you who are listening or following along with us, it's uh, uh, verses 21 through 23. Um, Jesus is appearing to his disciples. Uh, this is after the Easter resurrection. So we know that forgiveness has been won on the cross. The proof is in, in the empty tomb. Jesus is now standing with them and he says, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy spirit. And here comes our, our big point. If you forgive anyone, his sins, their sins, they are forgiven. If you not do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So as you read this, how, how are we to, um, who's he talking about? And um, how do we process this? Yeah, so he's, he's talking to, it's Easter evening, and he's talking to the apostles. Uh, and something similar to this is said in Matthew, tw- in two different places. You know, so he's talking to, to God's church, uh, and he's saying, if you forgive anyone their sins, they're, they're forgiven. And it's like, how how can Jesus give that authority? 
and maybe just a, a, a you know a human example could help mm-hmm. um if uh, let let's say um you know i you know said something that offended one of your family members mm-hmm. uh, i'll pick on thomas uh, okay uh so so uh you know then i said i said something you know and thomas out of the kindness and love of his heart said you know dad uh pastor pete said something that really hurts but my guess is it's bothering his conscience so you're going to see him before i see him so dad would you assure him that i forgive you mm. so mike when you would say pete thomas forgives you you are not manufacturing that forgiveness you are just conveying oh sure what thomas has you know thomas has borne the pain of mm-hmm. i said something that hurt him and he's saying i'm not going to hold that against you i'm going to forgive you but i won't see you know i won't see pastor pete until next sunday you know dad you you work with him you're going to see him next you know in the next couple of days would you please tell him and that's really what Jesus is doing here, is he is giving us that privilege, you know, like you, you set it up so beautifully by his resurrection. Jesus has won forgiveness of sins for the entire world, right? That's the declaration. Yeah. Your sins are forgiven, and it's our privilege to tell people who, you know, we're the go-between between Jesus and, and a person who's hurting, hey, Jesus has given me the the authority to assure you he has forgiven you. And that's why when we say, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's Mm -hmm. because God has already given, made that forgiveness possible in the past, and we're just bringing that announcement to you personally. And so then, who has that authority? I mean, I... We at our church, we've been talking a lot about family, family church, and this idea that um, really the church experience happens best at home. Therefore, how are the means of grace? How how is forgiveness treated at home? How do we show that forgiveness to one another? But when I was growing up, you know, I'd always hear you know the confession and absolution piece in our worship services, and I know if you're listening from a different church tradition, you might not do something like this very frequently or at all in your in your worship. But we tried to do this very regularly in our Lutheran services. But I would always hear, you know, as a called servant, um, I forgive you, and so as it it it's set up in my mind that only a called servant could make that kind of declaration, that kind of affirmation of the forgiveness of Jesus. And therefore, I think for several years, I grew up going through church like the only time I could get forgiven was when I went to church on Sunday, which is not true. But it's so who who gets the ability to do that? Oh, Mike, this is this is you, you, this this is open opened up our conversation in, in a marvelous, <laughs> interesting way. Um. So first of all, going back to the illustration that I used, yeah, because you have heard from Thomas, Dad, I forgive Pete. You have that authority. If you would say that 
to uh, his mom, Melissa. Mm -hmm. Melissa works with me too and say, mom, could you let Pastor Pete know? I I know that it's bothering his conscience. Could you let him know that you're forgiven, that that I've forgiven him? Mm -hmm. Uh, And both of you can tell me, both of you have that authority. Whoever hears that message from the original forgiver has that authority to announce it to somebody else. So all of us as Christians who have heard that message from Jesus, that he's the Lamb of God who's taken away the sin of the world, therefore it is my privilege to say that to other people. I have that authority. You have that authority. Every Christian has that authority from Jesus to reassure people your sins are forgiven. Uh, And then the whole call thing, as pastors, we, we, we are called to function publicly. In other words, it would be a little confusing if everybody got up at the same time and, and uh, you know, said, hey, you know, I forgive you your sins. And, you know, there's there's a hundred different people in the room saying, I forgive you your sins. Um, so so you, ask, you, you ask somebody, that's what the call is. Please function in my place. I am giving you the authority to function in my place. In this public setting, let's all ask one of our pastors to announce forgiveness. That's all the whole idea of the call means. It's not, oh, you have special forgiven authority from God. It's, I have authority from you as the congregation to speak publicly. Just hmm. like the teacher in our, in our elementary school teachers It'd be really crowded if all of us got into every classroom and and told the children about Jesus. Yeah. So we we said, hey, we all have this responsibility and this privilege to tell our kids about Jesus, but we can't all get in the classroom at the same time. So would you teach the third grade teacher, the third grade class about Jesus Mm -hmm. and a lot of other things, too? Uh, because God wants us a well-rounded person. But it's cheer he is called to teach because we are saying, could you function in our name because we have this authority from Jesus? So from Jesus, all of us have it, and then we give that to a called worker. That's interesting. I mean, it's almost as if, uh, yeah, I mean— in the Catholic tradition where you've got the confessional booth, it's like, instead of having, you know, a hundred confessional booths sitting in the church and saying, okay, everybody, uh, we're going to do confession absolution. So half of you on the confessor side, half of you on the forgiver side, <laughs> um, we're, we're making, that's it. That's an interest. I would, that would probably be worth uh, explaining from time to time that just, we're all, we're, we're all actually present in your, proclamation is that right fair right. we've we've all we've all taken the time we all know at least for those who are taking the opportunity to confess their sins that it's not actually just you it's obviously it's you're speaking for jesus so that's the most important one jesus god right. says you're forgiven but the whole of the church is saying 
We love you. God loves right. you. You're forgiven. Right. Hmm. Isn't that a neat, you know, yeah, I, you know, the pastor at that point is a spokesman both for God and for his fellow Christians. That, that gives it a richer, uh, a richer meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and those of you who are listening, um, that's at our church, the St. Paul's in the bridge. We're very passionate about, um, the, again, the idea of the, the family church. And one of the things is now I'm, all, all my kids are, they're actually all adults now. They're all over 18, which is really Ooh. crazy. But one of the things is I've grown up trying to learn over the last 10 years in particular, what it means to be the pastor of my family church while the kids were in the house and younger. And, but just, it's, it's the power of, um, being able to say, I forgive you. And I, I started thinking that, you know, perhaps one of the greatest, um, gifts that in humility, we as parents can give our kids is repentance that they have the authority to forgive mom or dad. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that it's just a, my bad. Oh, you know, uh, do as I say, don't do as I do. You know, that, that can get in there with arrogance and defensiveness, but in humility, if I've, if I've sinned against my son or my daughter, that one of the healthiest things that we can do is not be ashamed of the sin, but to go to our son or daughter who we have sinned against, whether we lost our temper, we said something, the, the discipline was a little bit, uh, too much for the, but that we go back to them for a child to be able to say to mom or dad, I forgive you. That is an incredible gift. Right. Now, you know, so there's two aspects of that forgiveness, right? Mm-hmm. The child or we as a parent, you know, but, but there's this, this personal forgiveness. And this right. is, this is one of my ahas over the last few years. Is yeah. forgiveness always requires pain. Somebody, if if there has been a sin, a hurt, somebody has to endure that pain. So by forgiveness, you're saying, I am going to accept the pain of not wanting revenge. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to give it to God. No, it's you're not saying, oh, that was okay. Mm-hmm. You're not saying it didn't hurt. You're just saying, I will accept that pain rather than trying to take my pain and make you suffer because I hurt. Yeah. So 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 the child forgives you, says, you know, I'm not going to hold this against you, Dad. But then as a Christian child, a Christian child also has a, this authority from Jesus. And, and can, you know, say, not only do I forgive you from my perspective, but I know that Jesus has forgiven you. So there's these two layers of forgiveness. Yeah. And, and, and it, it doesn't, it's not young and old. It's Christian and Christian. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, it's, it's always interesting. You never know where these conversations are going to go. Uh oh. But this whole this whole notion of repentance, I, I I do think that that's so critical. I when I talk confirmation classes, um, one of the things that that I've tried to simplify it for my my youngsters is 
The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that there are some very practical things like you don't, you don't have to be a believer in Jesus to know how relationships break. When, when I sin against you, our relationship suffers. So I I like to say that sin brings death to relationship. It brings death, trust, opportunity, reputation, freedom, uh, left on its course, it will bring spiritual death. It's why we die. Sin is responsible for our physical death and then eternal death. That's what sin does apart from the gospel. And yet the gift of God, God's forgiveness, unwarranted, poured out on us, it brings life. And so I remember having a, a situation, uh, this happened a couple of times, but one student in particular who had... uh done something he wasn't supposed to do. It, it, it cost him credibility. It cost us credibility as an mm-hmm. operation. Um, and I, I call him out. We had a sit down conversation. It was serious enough to, for that. And I remember him basically going, Oh, well, mm, my bad. It, it, there wasn't really repent. There wasn't an acknowledgement of, of anything that was done. It wasn't an acknowledgement of, of the credibility that we lost or the reputation that suffered or that my trust with him, I, I did not communicate that that's what happened very well. And so he just went, um, Oh, my bad. Or in other words, thanks for the info. Right. And I didn't say anything. I, I was, I was, I was like, my bad. Uh, okay. Well, I guess you acknowledged what I said and so I didn't think of anything of it. A week later, this is the difference between my bad and, and I'm sorry, like true repentance. <laughs> he, he did the same thing again. And now this time I'm really frustrated. And what I realized, for those of you who are watching, you can, you can see, like, if, if, if our relationship was here and um, he sinned against me and, and, and we lost something, mm-hmm. and I called him out on it with the hope of, moving forward. Right. He said, my bad. And I kind of went, well, like, okay, I guess we're okay. And we do a little bit of life, but now he, he messes up again. We didn't just go back to here. We go all the way back to the first one that was not addressed. Like it's cumulative. The, my bad doesn't do anything. So the second time now I'm really frustrated. Now I have a lot more clarity that I'm bringing. And now came in. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, I'm sorry. I've never had anybody talk to me like this before and explain this to me. I didn't realize that that's what I did. I'm sorry. And like now repentance was there and now forgiveness could be given instead of, I guess it's okay. Um, And just this importance of the difference between, you know, the true acknowledgement and taking ownership of what we've done and the relationship that's been hurt. It blew me away. That for all of these years, I hadn't realized the difference between, oh, my bad. And I really messed this up. I'm sorry for what it cost us. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that's well, repentance. You know, people, well, what does repent mean? It, it means being sorry, recognizing I truly blew it. And I should suffer consequences for this. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, like on uh, on Pentecost, when Peter, you know, convicts the crowd that you crucified the Savior, they say, what should we do? And he said, repent and yeah. be baptized. Just acknowledge you, you, you blew it, I, you know, to be sorry. 
And, I, and it's not, oh, how am I sorry enough? I mean, sometimes that gets into it. Yeah, you know, am right. I sorry enough? What do um, I have to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know, sorrow is, I, I love your illustration. Uh, another illustration that you use regularly is, is uh, you know, nobody's going to go, nobody's going to accept cancer treatment unless they really realize they, they have cancer. You know, right. I, if I, you got to convince me I have cancer before I'm going to go through chemotherapy and, and, and all that pain and suffering that I see people go through. Right. 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 God bless you know, the Lord that he is, he has uh, uh, given us that, that kind of treatment and people's lives are saved. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah. But first there has to be acknowledgement. I've got a real problem and that's all that repentance is mm -hmm. and from what you just told me about, you know, your, your friend, your coworker, he really didn't see that he had a problem. Right. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, the, Jesus said, whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Whosoever sins you do not forgive, they are not forgiven. But <laughs> what? And, and all you're doing is you're saying, if you don't recognize that you've got a problem that's separating you from God, uh, I need to be honest with you and, and say that, Faith alone is what saves. And if you don't see a problem and a need for a savior, then you don't have faith in Jesus. Hmm. I, I, I got to love you enough to warn you. Yeah. You know, it's not an unloving thing. It's not a judgmental thing. It's, um, you know, if you don't believe and by your actions, by the way, you you know, you're not, you know, eh, my bad, no big deal. Uh, you're showing that you really don't understand. Yeah. I, some, I, I've got a responsibility to do all that I can to help you. Right. And and that's that's been something of a help. Like every, everything that God talks about in his kingdom that is in the spiritual world, it has an implication in, for us in the real world. And I think that that's for a lot of people. If you're listening, you're like, I don't believe all you crazy people, but I like some of what you talk about. Um, that whole idea of the grace of God, you know, uh, ways of sin is death, but the gift of God, grace, that's where life comes from. Like when repentance came, forgiveness could come, you know, at least when it came to the, between the two of us and right. our relationship found healing. I did not realize that when he said my bad, I never forgave him, you know, so forgiveness wasn't given. It was a conversation that simply acknowledged that there was something uncomfortable between us and nothing got better. Until I finally brought the clarity of this is this is how our relationship is breaking, or re reputation or whatever, and this is how it, it, if left undone can affect our opportunity to work with this client and for you to work here. <laughs> um, I need you to know about this, and all of a sudden there came clarity. Now came repentance, and for me it was easy to forgive because I wanted this. You know, I wanted him to be able to grow. You know, I, mm -hmm. I I wanted the relationship to to be found again, and how that's an earthly example of what then is happening between us and us and God when God right. is dealing with us. And, and Jesus wants us to go to every length possible to get to that point. That that's the kind of leads into the other passage. Yeah, we'd mentioned the 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 Matthew eighteen Matthew eighteen fifteen to eighteen, where it says, "If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. Mm -hmm. If you if he listens to you, you've won your brother over." 
Uh, and if he doesn't listen to you, take one or two others along so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, uh, you know, it, you, uh, the facts can be established. But, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then if he doesn't listen to you, tell it to the church. And if he doesn't listen to the church, treat him as a pagan or a tax collector. But what we really need to start with is the parable that was right before it. Yes. Where Jesus, the, the shepherd. I'm so leaves, glad you're going here, by the way. Yeah, the shepherd leaves the 99 and looks for the one. And so now Jesus is illustrating what does it mean that we care enough about people that that something is broken and that we're going to do everything that we can to call that person back. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and so this isn't, this isn't a, you know, so often you hear the term steps of discipline, like Mm -hmm. the the end goal is let's, let's get somebody out. No, this is, this is the, this is the, the, the idea of what great lengths will we go to to try to bring somebody back in? Mm-hmm. And and I've learned a lot about this passage as I've thought about it. Can I share more? Or... Yeah, yeah, go for it. All right. So, so first of all, it's got to be something that you know about, right? Yeah, and maybe real quick, let's just set this up. I okay. for our listeners who are listening in, um, again, think think about a time when it might be something that you've got going on between you and another person. I mean, it just, I I don't want this to come off as just, oh, that's just churchy talk. Um, Some of this is, is partly how we're trying to sometimes not perfectly, but how we're trying to deal with when you hear church discipline, I like to think, think church discipleship because everything you're going to hear here is the idea of discipling. So, but for you as a listener, think about how this affects you personally. So, yeah. So, One of our problems is if if we feel like somebody has has done something to us that hurts us, they've sinned against us. You mm-hmm. know, I, I used the example I, I you know for Tom. You know that I, yeah. I said something that hurt Thomas. I, I sinned against somebody. The sinful nature within us says, you know, who I really want to talk to about that sin. Anybody else other than the person who sinned against me. Right, right. I, I want to gossip about that. Right. And so Jesus says, if somebody's, you know, go and talk to that person one-on-one, you know, like like the illustration that you talked about with your co-worker, you know, one-on-one, let's, let's try to make this right. Mm-hmm. You know, repentance and forgiveness and the, the relationship is healed. Relationship is healed here on earth. The relationship is healed between this individual and our Savior. God be praised. Right. If they won't listen to that one person, you know, to, to you, then you take two or three others along. And early in my ministry, uh, you know, take two or three others along. So somebody would, you know, I, I brought, I'm taking, bringing these two two people along to let you, to let them see that I'm telling you off that what you did was wrong. Right. And it gradually, no, no, no. Our goal is to try to win somebody back. Yep. So if somebody has sinned against you and nobody else knows about it, guess what? That's where it stops. Mm-hmm. You call somebody to repentance. If nobody else knows about it, because the witnesses can't be witnesses to you telling somebody off. 
Right. Witnesses have to be, I am aware of this sin too, and I am coming as a brother or sister in Christ and saying, what you did was wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was, that was, a, you know, a, a new aha for me. And who do you bring along? If our goal is to win somebody back, it's, it's somebody who knows what's going on, you know, and, you know, or what's happened. And usually a lot of, most of the time it's, and what's continuing to go on. And this person, somebody that this person that sinned against you respects because your goal is to try to win them back. Right. Right. So I'm going to try to bring somebody along that I, I think you'll listen. Maybe you'll listen to this person. And then if they don't listen to two or three others, then, then what do you do? You, who, who else knows? You, you tell it to the church. And in the ideal world, the church is the small group of people who know this individual and can have impact. And we talked off air about how, you know, this is really what small groups are meant to do. Yeah. That's where, that's where the best church discipline, church discipling happens in small groups, families where Christians know each other. Right. Christians are aware of what's going on. And Christians can say, it's not just Mike's opinion. Right. Uh, that what you're doing is wrong. We as a, a gathering of believers who love you have to tell you what you're doing is wrong. And continuing in it is saying, I don't care what God says. You know, as you're as you're talking about that, um, there's a, a great example of this happening in in God's global church with um, somebody that, at least for those of us who are in kind of the, the modern uh, songwriting era of worship songs. Uh, so Christian Stanville um, went through a season of some struggling and he, um, along with his wife and Louis Giglio sat down to talk about what the process looked like from the struggles to the, what did repentance look like and how did the church go through that and help that person through it? There it's a, it's a, I was surprised to see it, honestly. I mean, Christian is well known um, in in uh, Christian music circles, um, and uh, they shared enough of the story to know that this was exactly what you're talking about. That this was a person who was struggling with something, but it got to a point where um, others needed to be involved. But it was always in a in a contained group until that person could come through and talk about what the pro- what what you know what was happening, where where they went wrong. Not with all the details, but. Mm-hmm. But this was a space. I, I I was really grateful that here is an example of, uh, you know, church, again, church discipline, but church, ideal church discipleship where God is disciplining us. And I love that, that Bible passage that talks about, you know, he only disciplines those he loves. <laughs> you know, uh, Lord, help me be that same kind of person, whether it's in my family church um whether it's here, you know, on the ministry team, if I've stepped over a line that somebody, you know, please help me understand where repentance needs to come. And then if it's happening someplace around us, how do we keep the heart of Christ to win this person back? It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, everything is, is hunky dory. You know, I mean, I, maybe we could talk a little bit about that because I can hear, um, 
you know, people who've been abused or people who have really um, done some pretty terrible things, well, does that mean just everything goes back to normal the way it was before? Um, You know, and that's right. So forgiveness doesn't mean that it didn't hurt or there aren't lingering effects. You know, forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean that a relationship can be restored like it was before. Because trust is trust may be broken, and trust takes a long, long time to rebuild. Or uh, a, a church leader, um, uh, you know, it may take a long time before you are forgiven. But as forgiven doesn't mean that you are privileged to go right back to that point where where you were serving before. You you know you didn't start there. Mm-hmm. You. you, you you gradually grew into that position and what's happened has, has destroyed trust. We forgive you, but now you have to go, you know, basically you're starting over and, yeah, you're starting I... to, you know, uh, and, and, and I think very often that's misunderstood as you don't forgive me. No, it's, it's just, we forgive you, but you, you can't just step back into where you were before. I had a situation where I was I was asked to, to be a part of something. Um, I led within the skill set and the ability and the min- mindset that I had, but um, I was probably a little bit too arrogant. I didn't come into the greatest situation, and I didn't recognize some of the issues either. But within that, I'm I made some mistakes, and then um, got a, you know got a little frustrated, and it became clear that that this opportunity was not going to continue. Um, and so I, I mean, I had to accept that, you know, I did the best job that I could. There was sin on both sides. Forgiveness was there, but it, it didn't mean that the opportunity was going to, going to be there. I, I grew up with a, a neighbor, um, Mr. Johnson, uh, good guy, outdoorsman, one arm, only had one arm. Yeah. Um, the, it, it blew off uh, a, a shotgun it, um, blew up, blew up while he was loading it and it blew his arm right. off. Um, and it, it just, I, re, I, always, I always remember God, you know, he figured out how to fish with one arm to get a boat in the water with one arm to hunt with one arm. Um, so he, he learned how to do life. And I, I've oftentimes thought that, you know, if you were to get drunk, get into a car accident, lose your arm and you say, father, forgive me absolutely you're forgiven your your identity in christ is rock solid it is there but it doesn't mean your arm grows back Mm -hmm. Uh, there will be a lingering consequence for that and it doesn't mean that you won't get your life back but you will learn how to do life in a different way um, in this world that we live in right right yeah uh it is this is probably one of the hardest things you can ever deal with is Sin and forgiveness. Obviously, it's hard because it cost Jesus his life. Mm. You know, so it, it, sin and forgiveness is hard for God, and sin and forgiveness is hard for us too. You know, it just it's interesting that right after you know where Jesus says this is great lengths to go to, to to try to win somebody back, uh, then he tells the story about the unmerciful servant who. Uh, is forgiven, you know, yeah. billions of dollars kind of thing. And then he goes out and can't forgive uh, the person who owes him a tidy sum, a hundred denarii. That would be a hundred days wages. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, I'm, you know, that would be hard to forgive, but compared to what he had been forgiven. And so we always, you know, as we struggle to forgive, let us always go back and claim again the magnitude of God's forgiveness towards us in Christ, which will put our heart in the right place to bear the pain of forgiving, of saying, I am I am not going to be the judge and jury. I'm going to leave that in God's hands. We joked off air last week about, uh, about this, but I, I have a feeling we could pick this up next week. Um, but how do we forgive people when we hurt so much? I, I think this idea of forgiveness and loving your enemies, uh, maybe this would be worth a conversation because I have a feeling that a lot of people struggle with this. I know I do. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do I, how do I forgive? Or if a person's passed away, I know, uh, pastor, you know, yeah. Jeffrey Bonac, who's our counseling pastor has to deal with this kind of thing when there doesn't, you don't get the closure that you necessarily want. Um, but, but we've already, we are already pretty long. We yeah, should probably right. take a break here yeah. and, uh, and talk forgiveness maybe next time. This could be, this could be good. Um, I just, if you could real quick, um, from your point as a pastor, um, remind us again, just kind of come in full, full circle, who gets to forgive sin and and where do we get that authority to? Jesus gives that authority to all of us as Christians. And so all we are doing when we sell tip, tell somebody your sins are forgiven, is we are announcing to an individual what Jesus has already announced to the world. It is just another way of God wrapping his arms around us as individuals. See, private confession and an assurance of forgiveness is so much like the sacraments. Mm-hmm. It's God's, you know, I forgive you all. Boy, that's, you know, it's so easy to, to yeah. think it's true of everybody else. All y'all. Yeah. All y'all. Yeah. Not me. And, and private confession happens uh, when two Christians sit down and this is what troubles me. And their fellow Christian has the authority to say, you know, brother, you know, sister, Jesus knew that before he died on the cross. And he still died on the cross for you. He loved you that day and he forgave you that day. And he forgives you right now. That's what private confession is an absolution. And all of us have that privilege. That's awesome. That's a good place to stop. Thank you for that, Pastor Pete. Thank you, Mike. God bless. Yeah. So uh, great questions, great conversations. We're talking about um, forgiveness, kind of the process of that a little bit, who gets to do it, and uh, talked a little bit about church discipleship and church through church discipline and just how do Christians do that. So I hope that this has been helpful for you guys. Uh, I'm Mike Westendorf. This is Pastor Pete Panitsky, and uh, we will be back again next week, uh, probably talking about forgiveness. So we will see you again next time. 